Welcome to the Imago Day Community Podcast. Hey, Imago Day, it is good to be with you this Sunday. Today we enter into week three of the God Breathed Life, and we are going to look again at Genesis uh, in the early verses of chapter two. Today we're going to look about at, at the topic of practicing the and the purpose in Sabbath worship. You know, as we have said the last couple of weeks, God spoke His creation into being, and that creation was doxological in nature, meaning that God's, uh, God's proclamation over his creation was that it was good, good, and very good. Uh, it was a proclamation of goodness that was aesthetic. It's beautiful. It's pleasing. And in that sense, it brings in uh, creation into a chorus of doxology of worship to God. And so that we talked about days one through six, but today I want us to look at day seven in chapter two, verses one through three. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast arrays. And by the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The word blessing occurs in the creation story three times. In Genesis 1.22, it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on earth. And he blesses the animals. In 128, he blesses humanity, and it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And then here in chapter 2, verse 3, God gives his third blessing, and he blesses the seventh day, and he makes it holy, because on the seventh day, he rests from his work of creation. And so we see in the creation story both the aesthetic quality of good five times, good, good, and very good. That is God pronouncing over his creation that it's beautiful and pleasing, and three blessings over the animals, over the humans, and over Sabbath. And the blessing is God's inherent gift, this life-giving, reproducing blessing over animals and humanity, and this life-giving, life-restoring rest as he blesses the Sabbath. And the blessings are a testimony that God is not uninterested in his creation or, in, or is he somehow removed from it, but instead God is uniquely tied to it. He's present within it, and he has chosen to tie himself to our care, to creation's care. In other words, God isn't moving on from creation after he rests. He'll commit himself wholly to this creation. He's going to sustain it and protect it and secure it and rescue it and save it and redeem it. And so creation is not one more God project among many, but it is the project which in his love he cannot relinquish his care and concern 
for us and for his creation. The interesting thing about the creation blessings is that they're not unique to those who have faith. They're for all creation, that we are uh, imbued with life and that life is the life of God and he's blessing it so that within us we can reproduce, we can bring forth life. And in the Sabbath blessing, there is a pronouncement that God delights in his creation. He enjoys his creation. He stops and he admires his work. He finds fulfillment in it. And so this blessing is the crowning of Sabbath. Sabbath is the celebration of the other six days of God's work. It's the completion of creation and the celebration of what God has created. Both the declaration of creation's goodness and the pronouncement of divine blessing over it is God's way of bringing all of it into doxology. They are proclamations of God's delight in creation and God setting apart the Sabbath day as holy time. The blessing of the Sabbath is the final doxology of creation. It is doxology's doxology. This Sabbath blessing differs from the other blessings over creation is that because in this blessing, God takes all that he has created, including time and seasons and weeks and days, and he, and he installs a sacred pause within the rhythm of our weeks and within the rhythm of creation. The Sabbath blessing sanctifies a day where creation can discover itself again. Who do we belong to? Whose world is this? Who keeps the world going? And God himself is resting on this day. He blesses the day of rest and without anxiety or concern over how the world's going to continue to go, but instead with peace creating commands to cease doing and simply be the creation for the sole purpose that the creator delights in our existence. The creator chooses to stop weekly and enjoy us within his larger enjoyment of creation itself. And so likewise, God blesses the Sabbath and he gifts it to us so we can stop and enjoy God. And so we can stop and enjoy the good, good, and very good and receive that divine blessing of life. Because Sabbath is instituted by God and consecrated, in other words, he sets it apart through this blessing, it carries within it both the gift of creation and a safeguard of keeping in step with creation's doxology. In other words, there is a rhythm to life that God has installed within the order of creation. And Sabbath is creation's crown. 
And so for Israel, Sabbath is a sign and a witness to the uniqueness of her God in a sea of other gods. Sabbath is the celebration of God's uniqueness among all these lesser gods. He is powerful in his creation, and yet he is good. And he does all that he does without force, without coercion, without extracting demands and extracting abusive worship, without striving or hoarding. He critiques the slave labor practices of Pharaoh and Babylon and the warring, angry, egotistical, worship-extracting gods that are around them. And so for Israel, Sabbath becomes this great equalizer, even of class systems, because in Israel, the poor can finally rest because they belong to the Creator too. And this Creator has given Himself to the poor in unique and special ways. And so everybody stops and everybody rests and everybody is enjoyed by God. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to humanity to serve creation's flourishing, and to promote our collective doxology, to join the chorus of creation's worship. And so Sabbath is Israel's witness that her God cares for his people, that this God cares for the rest of creation. And, and even when Israel stops while the world goes on and they stop buying and selling and working and bartering, they will be cared for. You think about the pandemic this year, and, and we've talked about the ways that God is reshaping the world, but in a very real sense, there has been a forced Sabbath within the world. We watched as the entire globe took turns at lockdown. And the fact that everybody stopped had this dramatic effect on creation itself, from air quality to the way that plants grew again, animals starting to thrive, nature singing while humanity stops. And while it was challenging in so many ways, I think the one thing that both believer and non-believer took from this year was, man, it's good to stop. And that is ancient wisdom that we are just now catching up with. And so some observations about Sabbath as we find it here in Genesis 1. The first is we don't make Sabbath happen. Right? We keep Sabbath. God made it, God blessed it, God practiced it, and God gave it to us. And our job is to keep it, meaning we just receive it and enter into it. Um, Sabbath has this restorative power within it. It's the power of doxology that stops to see and to look around and to give praise to God. It's this divine pause and rest. But 
the truth is we're not good at keeping Sabbath. And people have never been very good at keeping Sabbath. Israel's prophets often brought indictment against Israel because she desecrated the Sabbath. Just one of these verses shows up in Ezekiel, and it shows up several times throughout Ezekiel. But he is condemning and indicting Israel for rejecting God's laws, not following my decrees, and desecrating my Sabbaths, for their hearts were devoted to their idols. When you look at Israel's failure and even think about our contemporary failure to keep Sabbath, there really are two ways that we desecrated, that they desecrated it. One was that they were using Sabbath and treating it as a burden to bear. In other words, they manipulated Sabbath so that they could continue to work, that they could keep buying, keep selling, keep consuming. And so rather than a divine blessing that God gave us and said, this is holy, keep it, this will bring life and sustain life, they treated it as a burden that stood in the way of their workaholism, essentially. That one sounds kind of close to home for me. And so they defiled the doxology. They, des- and, and, you know, desecrate that strong language. And yet when we read the scriptures and we, we really take God seriously and creation seriously, we realize that desecrate is appropriate language. It means to deconsecrate, to unholy it, to unbless it. Creation was good, the doxology was good, Sabbath was blessed, given by grace, entered to by faith, but they treated it as a burden. Trying to manipulate it and work around it so that they could keep working. The other way that they desecrated Sabbath is that this holy gift was turned into a religious transaction. In other words, what was gifted for rest and worship was defiled when Sabbath was used as self-securing religious work. Like, we're doing it right. We're, we're doing the Sabbath. And so instead of keeping it, they desecrated it. Those are only the two categories that we have. We either will keep Sabbath or we desecrate Sabbath. And by using Sabbath as a religious transaction, in other words, we kept Sabbath right, therefore we've earned God's favor, we actually desecrate it. And we, we always desecrate gifts when we try to pay people back for them, right? So you can imagine you, you, someone gives you this gift because they love you and they care for you, and you won't receive it, you take it, but then you try to pay them back for it, trying to get out of receiving this gift. That desecrates it. It's no longer a gift. It becomes a transaction. And when we do that with God's gifts to us, thinking that by keeping them, we are earning favor rather than receiving them by grace, we desecrate them. 
And so to keep Sabbath means that we're going to receive it with gratitude, that we're going to tend to the holiness of the gift, that we're going to stop one day a week and be present to the grace of getting to stop. We're going to let Sabbath order our life around it. One of our practices at Imago Day is to practice Sabbath. Nothing is more prophetic in our day and our time when we are constantly on, constantly working, constantly striving, constantly connected to just stop and let God's sacred pause and holy rest start to order our life, to be formed by that rest. And so Israel was gifted Sabbath, which placed boundaries around her work life. Sabbath does that for us. It puts boundaries around our work lives, and it protects our identity as God's people against Babylon's demands to get ahead and Pharaoh's commands to keep building the empire. Instead, we choose to hear and obey this call from the Creator and to live into this doxology of Sabbath, to be blessed by its blessing. When we do Sabbath in order to pay God back, we, or we despise Sabbath as a burden that is preventing us from work or getting ahead, we undo the giftedness of the gift. We desecrate it. We turn gift into transaction or burden. Religious burdens and transactions have no place within this creation doxology. They have no place within new creation grace in Jesus Christ. It's all grace and it's all gift. And so when we begin exchanging holy rest for secular striving ceaseless earning and buying, creating, participating in creating a world where the poor are never allowed to rest because in the empire, the economy demands more bricks, more bricks, more bricks. Egypt and Babylon and nations like it have no place for Sabbath because they have no knowledge of this creator God who has blessed them with his life-affirming abilities that they can neither know or appreciate. But the church, we are the people of the creator. This is our story. We are the people of Christ's new creation, and so it's ours to recover Sabbath-keeping. It's ours to bear witness to the Lord of the Sabbath. I would like you to turn to Matthew chapter 12, the story regarding the Sabbath where Jesus is going through the grain fields on a Sabbath day with his disciples. It says his disciples were hungry in verse 1 and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priest on Sabbath duty 
in the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they're, in, they're innocent. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And going from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, if one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on Sabbath, won't you take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. The Pharisees are in the tradition of using Sabbath. The Pharisees have uh, gone beyond the scriptures. They've added uh, more and more laws to God's law. And so there is 500 plus commands that they have added. And they see Jesus and his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. And they accuse Jesus of desecrating Sabbath, but the truth is they're the ones that got Sabbath all wrong. They were using Sabbath as a religious transaction, and they were self-appointed police of the Sabbath. They were policing it rather than keeping it. And Jesus and his disciples are walking along, picking grain, and the Sabbath police show up and and accuse him of breaking God's laws. They charge his disciples of some law against picking grain. And they had turned the Sabbath, which was a gift, into a Sabbath that was the supreme law. And they were the law keepers. They were the Sabbath police. And what Jesus teaches them is that Sabbath was a gift to serve people. People don't serve Sabbath. And he quotes to them Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And in their zeal, they became hypocrites. In their discipline, they desecrated. In their self-righteousness, they lost the whole plot. And they cared more about picking grain than caring for the sick and the marginalized. And so what they did is they remade Sabbath for themselves and declared themselves the gatekeepers and kept anyone from entering God's blessed Sabbath. It's desecration of the worst kind. They weren't keeping Sabbath. They were keeping people from the blessing of Sabbath. And so Jesus flips the script and puts them on trial. They find a man that has a disability. And in that culture, disability was, uh, was a detriment. It was, it was you couldn't work. You probably couldn't get hired. You would be forced many times to a life of begging for alms. And they used this man with a, with a disabled, disfigured hand and they use him to put Jesus on trial. And Jesus flips the script on him and says, is it lawful to do good on Sabbath? And he heals this man. And what's beautiful about that is that this man 
who has probably sat there for many, many Sabbaths, is now able to actually work, to actually work for those six days and enter into Sabbath. Jesus restores not only his hand, but his dignity and his ability to work so that Sabbath becomes a new gift for this man as well. Jesus is filled with mercy, and he sees the value in this disabled man. And the ironic twist in the story is that the Pharisees go out and they plot murder, which I'm pretty sure has to be against some Sabbath law, right? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's against the Sabbath laws to, to plot murder. But you see, for them, this idea of grace, this idea that God would be so scandalous as to give a gift that was for all people to enter into to rest as blessing and as grace, that a God would be so doxological as to proclaim good, good, and very good, to rest himself and enjoy it, that religion has no place for that kind of God. In the same way that Babylon has no place for this kind of rest, the only answer to religion is to kill the grace giver. And so from desecration to restoring life, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and new creation breaks into the old through Jesus. He's restoring and he's healing and and he keeps Sabbath and gifts it to us so that when we receive it, he says it's for us. Like we, Sabbath exists for us, not us for the Sabbath, meaning that, that it includes the poor, the sick, the marginalized. Sabbath is grace. And, and, and for us now in Jesus, in new creation, we are invited to enter that gift and blessing that Jesus gave us. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And if you think about it in this way, he did the Father's work. In John, Jesus uses the word work 15 to 20 times to refer to how he has come to do the Father's work. In John 17, he he declares to the Father that I have finished your work. On the cross, he shouts out the word tetelestai, which is the word, it is finished. And after he finished his work, he Sabbathed in the grave and he broke forth on the first day of the week in new creation life of resurrection. New creation has come, and Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And so, church, it is ours to bear witness to Jesus as our Lord of the Sabbath and Lord of new creation. And Sabbath is one of the ways that we are invited to practice our faith in Jesus. We, like Israel, are being forced by being shaped by these forces of Babylon and Pharaoh, of getting ahead and getting more and staying in the game and being successful. But Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. 
And so Sabbath is God's holy pause where we remember that Jesus is our Lord, not Pharaoh. The world is God's, not ours. He sustains it. He restores it. And he restores us while we rest. That is our doxology. That Sabbath was made for you and you are made for Jesus. So keep Sabbath the gift of one day, a holy day, a sanctified day, the crown of creation is still ours to keep. And it's a sign that is pointing to the day when new creation comes in its fulfillment. And so we join when we Sabbath creation's doxology of our creator, and our Sabbath Lord, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, turn off your phones, turn off your email, right? Play with your friends and family, enjoy creation, get out and hike, pray to the Lord of the Sabbath, receive the gift and enter the doxology and let it form you. The work is finished. He is risen. Enter his rest by faith. Amen. What do you think? That's another way of saying. That the rest of it was kind of boring. It's okay, you can tell me. I don't, I don't sound very, I look very good, but I'm not like focused on my face now. How come? I'm usually going to fall through it. The only thing I marked out is the apostrophe to be. Ah, all right. I'll let you know when I ready to go. Never. What, what do you think about the intro? Not good. Can you cut it? Let's cut it. I just sent you the notes, which have all this stuff in them. Hi, Eileen. All right, I'm going to do my four minutes, baby. What? I don't. I don't like that. No. Well, am I looking at it? Yeah, I like. I like. I think that's good for something like this to go straight on. 
Yeah, I like that. But if you noticed, JMC was straight on. 